Welcome to another episode of The Powerful Project. Today we have an interview with Cherie Walker. She is a registered nurse with 23 years experience in the industry. So she's a nurse practitioner. She's also a cosmetic nurse practitioner and is wildly passionate about women's health and is also an owner and director of the Yoni Health Clinic, which we will explain a little bit later what that is. So welcome, Cherie, to our podcast. So great to have you in. How's your day been? Pretty good so far. Nice, relaxing, well, day off as much as a business owner can have, so, you know. <laughs> All right. Like, oh, my day's so relaxing and you've just done like 10 things on Instagram. And <laughs> Went for acupuncture this morning, had four missed phone calls, you know. The yeah, joys. the joys. One of the things that we ask our guests first all the time is, what does being powerful mean to you? So I had a good think about this. <laughs> and to me, powerful is standing in your own presence, your own essence, your own shit and owning it. Oh, I, love I that. like that. That's, powerful. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's really it. powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to hear your story and also just let our listeners know a little bit more about you. So starting from the beginning, what got you interested in nursing and also into holistic health and wellbeing and cosmetics? So I have no idea what the nursing side of thing, where that came from, but somewhere maybe year nine in high school, I just said to my mum and dad, I'm going to become a nurse. And all my high school choices in regards to what subjects I did from there was how I got into university or the backup was to become an enrolled nurse via TAFE. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea because there's no family history of nursing, but that is just the way that it went. So all my subjects were geared towards nursing and yeah, that's just happened. And so I, I'm born at the end of the year, I'm a November baby. So I went straight from high school, 17 to then uni. And I think I was 17 my whole first year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't even think I had my license. I had a friend of mine who had to like drive me for the first like Crazy. <laughs> semester. And my younger sister, who's four years younger, actually has followed me into nursing as well. So we've got two nurses Leading in my family. Example. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea why she wanted to do it as well, but <laughs> yeah. So I gra- so did my Curtin University here in Perth. So I graduated by the time I was twenty. I went straight into a undergraduate program. So I did six months at Greylands Hospital Mental Health. That I went to Sir Charles Gardner, which is a big tertiary hospital here in Perth, and I did six months on the respiratory unit, six months surgical unit, and then they had a second year program where I did intensive care unit and palliative care. And then I was at that hospital probably for like another seven or eight years. Yeah. And just kind of moved around, probably went back to the surgical ward. I was there for a while. And that was quite interesting because that was a mix of endocrinology. So a lot of diabetes management, dermatology, and then surgical. So we did a lot of gastrointestinal surgery and breast surgery, so breast cancer surgery, Mm -hmm. so and a little bit of palliative care. So I really, I guess I got a taste of a lot of different specialties in in a, sh- a short period of time. And then I went to hospital in the home at Sir Charles Gardner, which is a home visiting service. So say you come into hospital and you have like a minor surgery, but you might have a dressing that needs to be looked after, but you don't need to stay in hospital. So we would come and visit you in the home. Mm-hmm. So really learned a, a lot about different things. And then while I was at Sir Charles Gardner, I was able to train a bit more in wound care. So I went and did master classes in wound care think they were credited by Curtin University and so that kind of got my interest in skin as well as what I had learned on the dermatology board kind of got got the ball rolling and then I also got into continence which is bladder and bowel yeah very very quite a different but if but if you look at a lot of places in the world they called there are nurses what they call cow nurses so (laughs) (laughs) continence ostomy so stomal therapy and wound care so that's kind of how I beautiful some, name. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> I somehow stumbled into that domain, and so I would relieve the more senior nurses when they went on leave, but also go and like visit nurse patients, yeah, in in the hospital or the emergency department, yeah. And then so that was about eight or nine years into my career, and then I got a job at another tertiary hospital as a continence clinical nurse consultant. So my first really se- real senior nursing position. And that was really interesting because I got to run my own clinics, but I worked along very supportive doctors who were really happy to let the nurses 
run the clinics and then use them as support and a backup. And so continence really got me into, to a degree, women's health. I was probably majority seeing women with uh, urinary issues doing some bowel health. We had colorectal surgeons and inflammatory bowel disease at that hospital, so expanded my knowledge base there. But the women's health side of things kind of kept coming back. So it was stress incontinence, so pelvic floor issues, urge incontinence, all these things. I, w- I mean, I was only maybe late 20s, early 30s. So a lot of stuff I had to learn about during the course, how I was trained, but also what I was learning from what these women were mm. telling me as well. And sometimes you know, it would delve onto things I probably wasn't prepared to talk about in regards to my knowledge base. Like, you know, they might talk about vaginal dryness and I'm like, what is this about? I haven't learned, <laughs> learned about this, but it's one of those things where I kind of realise that they might not be comfortable talking to their male doctor yeah. or just their GP with, but as a female, they were coming to me as a specialist being like, want to have a chat with you a bit more about that. Interesting. Yeah. And then from there, I started my master's degree while I was doing continence. And then I kind of went, I don't think this is where I want to be for the rest of my career. So my nurse practitioner degree, I swapped streams into the emergency department. Wasn't sure if I would actually get designated as in the emergency department, but I was worked in the emergency department for about three or four years before I finished my master's degree. And then, yeah, kind of, that was... 10 years ago and kind of just progressed from there as a senior nurse. So it's taken a few little turns, Mm -hmm. but I've been able to kind of luckily have the experience of that point was like a 19, 20 year career and then amalgamate it and shape it to what it is now. Did I answer the question? Yeah, you've had a massive, like, chops and changes in nursing this whole time. And so many different interest changes as well, like, to learn about health and how human beings are affected. Yeah. So what initially got you interested in doing the, like, cosmetic nursing? So that was a little bit of luck to a degree, which is interesting because I know that this... I guess career option now is quite competitive Mm. to get into. When I was working in the emergency department, one of the doctors that I worked with, they were doing like their rotations, like they rotate every three months. And she just happened to say, oh, I'm going to become a GP and I'm going to also offer cosmetics. So I just kind of went, I'm interested in that Mm. (laughs) as well, keeping in mind. And at the time, yeah, she did. And so we went and did a couple of mobile clinics together and kind of kept in contact and then kind of, yeah, progressed from there. Then she actually went down south to finish her GP training and never came back up to Perth, wow. stayed down there. So we still are very much in, in contact and have supported each other and both now have our own own clinics. But it just kind of, yeah, progressed, progressed from there. But it was never my, I guess, my ideal to do it full time. I was still working in the hospital. So I was kind of doing, I kind of say, as my side gig mm. because I – almost felt to a degree it was a waste of my master's degree to mm-hmm. be doing quote-unquote cosmetics. So I still felt like I really needed to be in the hospital. So I ended up staying in the emergency department for – I changed hospitals and went out to rural for about another four years. So eight, I did eight years in the emergency department and then COVID kind of came along and mm-hmm. I went, I don't think I really want to be <laughs> in the emergency department anymore. Yeah. yeah, and I got the opportunity to go to King Edwards to do urogynecology, which I was just meant to be there three months, ended up staying there. 12 months, <laughs> but I was able to build my, my cosmetic and skin practice from all those mobile clinics into one location. So that's mm. kind of how that progressed. And while I was at King Edwards, the women's health kind of kept coming back. Like this, yeah, like this whole, I think I had not worked in that domain, like urogynecology for at least 10 years and it kind of full circle kind of came it. back, yeah, with extra knowledge that I gained along the way. So, Yeah done so many things already. Yeah, wow. yeah I, know, I know. It's incredible. My goes, what are you doing now? Because when people ask him and I'm like, yeah, 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 just don't. <laughs> yeah, so what's included in, so cosmetic nursing is a different field, really. So yeah. what's included in that? Yeah. So the main thing in cosmetic nursing, I guess there's two parts. One is injectables. So in wrinkle relaxers or fillers, um, there's a few other injectables. And then you can go down the line of skin treatments, mm-hmm. which can be things like peels, skin needling. Those are probably the main things. And then there's more advanced like medical type of skin treatments that you can do depending on yeah what your area of specialty is. So I think those are the the two main things. My niche, I guess, is myself being a person of colour, is skin of colour is actually quite hard to treat. When I first started treating skin, I thought it was the other way around. I thought fairer skin would be harder to treat than darker skin. But it's actually probably the reverse because 
there's so many other risk factors of things like hypopigmentation and issues if you're not treated correctly. So it just kind of became that little thing where I was like, there's a niche here, but it's not just, I don't just treat skin of colour, I treat everyone, but I just have this wider knowledge base, I guess, because mm. of my heritage, but also what I've learnt across the way. So I think it depends on, some nurses may in, inject, um, in cosmetics might only do injectables and that's, that, that's fine, um, but I think you need to give, I kind of think injectables is like the structural work and the skin stuff is the paint job mm -hmm. on top. So they kind of can't really be separated, but yeah. And you have all the knowledge base to actually do both. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. And so that's what you've been currently doing for the last quite a few years. Yeah. It's been doing a bit of a mix of the cosmetic nursing and nursing. And so what is your next step that you're working into? So my next step, so, you know, never one to not have a side gig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have been working at another clinic, which I've just finished up last week, um, doing, I guess, integrative and functional medicine. And I've kind of found my niche in women's health, which is kind of coming back to that women's health side of things. So I really want to expand on that within my own clinic because I do, you know, might be having a chat injecting someone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, we, you know, we happen to get chatting about a lot of other things, mm -hmm. as, as you do sometimes mm -hmm. when women get together. And so I've decided I am going to get more into a more holistic approach to women's health mm -hmm. using everything that I've learnt along my years. So a mix of, I guess, medical, but also a holistic approach. So looking at the whole person um, and putting it, yeah, putting it together to get, try and get the best outcomes. So yes, that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. So the reason I know Cherie is because I came to her first of all for cosmetic injectables yeah. for my jaw, actually, which I do I grind my teeth at night. It was really frustrating me. So I got to Cherie and she helped so much with that, with uh, my master muscles. Yeah. But then talking to her, <laughs> as you do, well, not while it's actually happening. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found it so fascinating hearing her perspective from the medical history and how deep you've gone into that and how much knowledge and how much help there is for women in that industry. But then also your interest in the natural world and tying them together. Yeah. So that's why I thought it'd be really cool to delve into that today and see your perspective on both and how they can have a bit of a, you know, partnership really in yeah. some ways with what each can help with. Whereas most of the time I see that both the fields are very far mm. apart from each yeah. other. Yeah. It's like you either go to the GP and try and get all your solutions from them and sometimes get stuck or you try to go all natural which can be very 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 helpful yeah but then you might just get stuck against something that might need a little bit of modern medicine and help yeah so if you can marry the two together that'd be pretty it's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. pretty cool but first things first I'd love to just delve into some of the fun fun it's not fun some <laughs> of the myths that we are around cosmetic injectables because when I first went to you to get the boat uh, it was Botox is what I was called it, uh, yep. told it was in my jaw I was very much like oh gosh like I'm doing something really like intense like you know there's plastic women in Hollywood yep. that <laughs> can't move their face but I was pretty set that people had recommended that this was a really good thing to help me with my teeth grinding yeah what sort of myths do you find come up when it comes to injectables I think a lot of it is to do with yes this perception of this plastic look or this frozen look or a not looking natural. So I think my niche is I do create a very natural look, mm -hmm. unless the client says to me, freeze me. And that's, also, <laughs> that's completely fine as well. But it's that balance. And I think it's what we've seen as bad, mm -hmm. bad injectables that the industry. And so there is, yeah, I always explain to clients before we start is that you can have some movement or no movement depending on what your what you want to achieve in when you're having injectables and it's not permanent so if you don't like the way you look it feels everything goes back to normal so it's not this permanent issue that we have mm -hmm. when having a treatment so I think yeah the main thing is always is frozen or a natural look and I think I think the other thing as well is for clients is if they go to an injector and they don't feel comfortable or they will say to me I went to this injector and I walked in and the way they looked I saw the lips before they you know, into mm. the room, I remind them it's still a medical procedure. You have mm -hmm. the right to say, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to do this. So please, I always tell them, please don't feel like you need to go ahead with something. And if I have a client who's not sure, I won't treat them because it's still a medical procedure. So I'll be like, you need to go away and think about it and then either come back and let me know you want to go ahead or you don't want to go ahead. There's no, there's never any pressure in my clinic to go ahead with anything because I'm just... 
I don't want to pressure anyone. It's a medical procedure. Mm-hmm. And I think we've kind of fallen out of people re- realising that that's what it is. Mm. It's not just going down the corner and having mm. a beauty... And nothing against beauty therapists, but, you know, we're quite luckily, to a degree, heavy regulated in Australia, where other parts of the world, it's not regulated. And so untrained people can inject. We're in Australia. We're quite regulated and only health professionals can inject. So, yeah. It's the frozen look or the artificial look or the chipmunk look <laughs> where there's been too much filler put in the cheeks. And that, you know, I have to, or, or like the lip, the duck lip look. Mm-hmm. So I have to explain to clients that sometimes it's the product that's been chosen, too much product being put in and anatomy as well. So, yeah. So I will often ask, like, maybe if you're having your lips done, bring a reference picture and then I can actually explain and be like whether that is an option because everyone's mm-hmm. lips are the same or whether that's surgery that they've had or, yeah, we just need to have a chat. And that's part of the consultation process is that you have a full consult, informed consent, you go through the pros and cons of the treatment before going ahead. So I think the age thing as well, we're having a chat before, (laughs) is obviously you have to be in Australia 18 plus to have treatment. And I'm always about, I'm never going to point out to someone what I think they need. I'm always going to ask them, what do you Mm-hmm. What is it that concerns you? That's all my op- that's always my opening line with someone before I go ahead with the treatment, and then I'm very uh, most of my clients. So I'm very honest. If I don't think someone needs it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to be like, nah, we don't <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to do that. I prefer to turn someone away rather than we give them a treatment that they don't actually need. So yeah, and I guess you're never never too old to start. I do have some <laughs> women in their like seventies that come to me. So yeah. and not that that's all. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what sort of treatments would you actually do? So you've mentioned fillers and injectables. Yeah, like so relaxers. yeah, so the, the main yes, yeah, so wrinkle relaxers. So I'm calling the generic wrinkle relaxers mm-hmm. because there's a couple of different products available on the market. So we've got Disport, Botox, Xeomin. There's a couple of other ones that are TGA approved, but those are the main ones. So I just like to call them at, when we on our social medias in Australia we can't use a product name. Mm-hmm. So that's why I call them wrinkle relaxers or fillers. When you're in clinic, I will discuss the brand that I use. So wrinkle relaxers is probably my most popular. Next one is fillers. So the main thing I tell people is wrinkle relaxers is usually used in the upper third of the face. So forehead, frown, crow's feet. But obviously there are other parts of the face like masseters that we can do injected in. We can do more medical approaches like hyperhidrosis, underarm sweating, your platysmal bands in your neck. You can do so. Yeah, well, sometimes, and it can be from you know, like people when they're lifting weights as well, and not just mm. that, but they get the really like thickening off the bands mm. here. So that's probably more for an aesthetic purpose, but they can get be worried about the bands. So they, it can soften those bands for some mm. people if they've got a big pull here. A little bit here, it can actually help make the jawline a bit more snatched because instead of that pull down, it actually relaxes and pulls up here. Yeah, so you can do, yeah, like lower face, sometimes more medical. You can do the trapezius muscles because if they get like people can get like tension headaches Mm -hmm. through there, or depending on their like jobs, like I've done a cosmetic tattooist because she's like, yeah, up like that as well. So those are probably the most... Oh, the other thing that I've started doing is inhaled wrinkle relaxer. It can help with allergic symptoms. So hay fever, not just hay fever, not just allergic. I've got a client whose husband came in. He works away. He's FIFO and the, the red dirt makes him, yeah, get very like yeah, irritated and, and runny uh, like eyes as well. And so we did that and helped with those symptoms as well. So there's always like, I guess... A medical, mm, yeah, reasons there's medical reasons as, yeah, as well. So I guess the more experience a nurse or doctor is in that field, the more advanced mm-hmm. things they will be happy to offer. Otherwise, they'll just stick to aesthetic and cosmetic side of things as well. And then fillers, I tell people, is usually the lower, th- lower third, two thirds of the face. So cheeks, jawline, chin, lips, those are the main areas for with um, fillers, one of the myths that I've heard about is that they move and they never fully like dissolve. D- to a, to a degree, so depending on the product, we kind of have a how long they last, how long the company says that they last. So some more premium products will last like twelve to eighteen months. Some might last six to nine, nine to twelve. Mm-hmm. But there is more research that comes out where you know they've had MRIs done where people 
it doesn't just like drop off at 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. It kind of, there is a little bit baseline there. So it's like if someone has their lips with me and they might come, I say, don't come back and see me for like 12 to 18 months. There probably is still a little bit of product in their lips. So Mm -hmm. I kind of say we probably don't need as much product as the first time. So we're kind of layering on top. Mm -hmm. There are some people who have a really high metabolism and they just, they will, the product will just reabsorb in maybe a shorter period of time or within that 12 to 18 months. But yeah, so Mm -hmm. it, it probably will break down over time completely but obviously if you're coming every like 12 to 18 months every two years and having products you're kind of you are layering a little bit on top of it so yeah mm. yeah I think you'd be one of the practitioners to be like you don't need it yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much Thank very you, much so yeah, yeah, yeah I'd be like no we're not doing it today <laughs> no, I do love hearing that because there is you know, obviously there's so many different aspects to the cosmetic side of this like yeah. there is aesthetic obviously yeah. what you can focus on visually and and beauty wise yeah. but then there are the other reasons you can use it but then I think that also ties into working on holistic health and well-being what you can do internally makes such a massive difference, difference. in your health and well-being yeah so I want to try and jump into a little bit more of that because I find people tend to be in both like one camp mm-hmm. or the other they're yeah. either really for all the beauty therapies and the medications and this yeah. and that's the answer to everything or they're just all natural health and yeah. so I'm kind of one of those fences who yeah. likes a bit of both yeah. like yeah. if I can find health in one area help in one area I like to utilize it but one thing one reason you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking that got you into this whole holistic side was your own health history so you haven't mentioned yeah. anything at all about yeah. your own health history yeah. so would you like to just jump into what you've been through yourself and why that's played such a massive impact in your life. Yep, definitely. And I'm very much an open book with anyone that asks or yeah. clients that come in as well. So so I got my I'm going, you know, too bad if you don't want to know this information about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I think I first got my period about 14 and I think very early on my periods were very painful to the point where my poor mother who never had period pain was like, I don't even know what to do. Had to go to the chemist to get me like naprogesic and things like that. So painful periods from very young, flooding overnight, like, you know, staining sheets, all that type of stuff and it kept going on and on and on. And then I think 18, finally, like, was like mum, we need to do something. Went to the GP put me on the pill mm. that was it and then every time I tried to come off the pill the pain was back so it was like this constant like circle of pain the pill what am I doing what's happening that was all that was offered to me and as I got a little bit older and then got married at like 24 came off the pill and I think when I was working in in my continence field I started getting this really intense left-sided pain and typical nurse in me was like, I'm just constipated. <laughs> you know, Working like, in the continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm just constipated. I'm not going to go to the GP. They're just going to tell me like I'm constipated. And it kind of kept coming like on and off. And then like it wasn't just around my period time. It was when I was ovulating and then like got to the point where I was, you know, I'm Indian descent, but some of the nurses at work were like, Sheree, you look pale. <laughs> so I took myself, I think I, I went and got buscapan, took some pain relief, went to the women's health hospital. And by the time I got there, my pain was gone. And then I was like, okay, nah. Classic. Yeah, yeah, going. Mm-hmm. And then finally went to my GP who sent me for pelvic ultrasound and it showed like I had like a 10 centimetre ovarian cyst. Oh, wow. And, you know, ultrasound was like, come back in like six to eight weeks. And I, and I was like, that's not going to be gone in six to eight Ten weeks. Centimetres. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I had already like, like no, take that got in and referred to see a gynecologist and had my first surgery and diagnosed me with endometriosis mm-hmm. so I would say that would be my mid mid to late 20s so if you think 14 to like this and the average for endometriosis diagnosis yeah. is 10 years so and I remember at the time speaking like afterwards to the to the gynecologist and he was head of department at the time and I was like going I, you know I think I've had this since I was like no 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 you would have been too young as a teenager Hey, Powerful Girl, quick break. We're really, really grateful that you're here. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, please leave us a review. It would mean the world to us and it also means that we can help more women like yourself become the healthiest, happiest and most powerful version of themselves. All right, let's get back into it. So now, you know, <laughs> what we know now is, yes, very much you can have it as a, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So then it's kind of been a roller coaster in regards to managing it, having more surgery, fertility, all that type of stuff. And so my, yeah, so that's kind of what led into us. I thought if myself as a health professional mm-hmm. can't get not the right help, I don't know what the right word is, but get the appropriate help or that long to get a diagnosis and get treatment options, what has the general yeah, female being population. Yeah, so close to everyone where you think you can get 
quicker answers, but then everyone's like, nah, it's yep. not you, not not that early, nah. No, yeah. no. And then I think I just had to do a lot of research myself and deep dive and deep dive until I, and got, I got to the point where probably, it was when I was finishing my master's degree, so probably about 10, 8, 9 years ago, I then started getting really fatigued, and which is not like me. Like I was like, I get up in the like get up early in the morning, go for a walk, go to the gym, work out, all this type of stuff. And I just couldn't get out of, couldn't get out of bed. I was getting more and more tired. I was like, what's going on with me? I thought, am I getting depressed because I can't get out of bed? Like I didn't just mm. know what was going on. I would have to just like, I would just tank by the end of the day. And so I went and saw my GP who at the time told me to go on a holiday. <laughs> oh, great advice. Yeah, yeah. I was like, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then I, yeah, I was just like, there's, there's something going on. And then I, my, luckily my long service leave was coming up. So I took my long service leave at, I think I took four or five months off at half pay because I was just like this, I just need some, some time away. And then did a bit of exploring, found an integrated medicine doctor here in Perth who had been referred to me by a fitness model who was coming to see me, mm-hmm. who had hormones got very messed up after competing mm-hmm. and dieting, as I'm sure you all are, are very aware of that. And I went to see this yeah, fe- amazing female GP who did all this testing and diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue. My testosterone levels were low, said, you know, this is also linked to your endometriosis. So all these things that I was like going, this makes so much sense yeah. to me. And then went on this really extensive regime of different supplements, medications to, yeah. And that kind of went right there's something in this <laughs> mm-hmm. and I want to know more about it. And that's kind of, yeah, led me on to where I've kind of scooted along to now <laughs> yeah, in my career. So yeah. Into the next phase. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it helps so much just to get someone caring enough to look into why you're experiencing the yeah. symptoms you are. Yeah. And so many women, like yours was mm. like, you're in the field yeah. with people around you. They can look yeah. at ailments yeah. and like, ah, no, 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 don't worry. And on, a like, <laughs> on a holiday. On a holiday. Which is a nice crazy. thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to heal your body. No, exactly. And you still weren't able to get that attention and that need of like, why are you experiencing this much pain and its symptoms? Yeah. And you can't just brush it off. Yeah. I think it's very frustrating for women who mm-hmm. tend to be troopers and just keep going through yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I think if a man was in the like a tenth yeah. amount of pain that some of us experience, yeah. they'd be like, oh my God, oh, stop dying. the world, yeah. I'm dying. Yeah. And you know, the, the more... I guess, being in working in the emergency department for almost a decade, it is that thing. And the more I read about, like, if a woman presents the emergency department Mm. versus a man Mm. and the pain discrepancy, like, a man would get morphine where we might get, like, Paladol or Nurofen or something. It's just this real discrepancy. Yeah, or, like, but, you know, if you go through the history of pain in women, like, it was called hysteria and hysteria, like, being hysterical and it's like yeah but you know <laughs> I really don't but think it is no yeah. and you know with endometriosis for women who've given birth with endometriosis some of them say their period pain is worse than actually wow. giving birth so you kind of look Holy you know cat. the discrepancy and it's all these not just endometriosis pain it's like even when women come to the emergency department or with chest pain mm-hmm. our symptoms are very different from men where atypical chest pain which is why I think the whole cardiac health in women as well is very different from men because we're atypical presentations. 50% of the population. <laughs> yeah 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 so it's a very and it's not it's not that I'm shitting on my colleagues or anything like no, that. It's just what you've noticed. It's just what I've noticed and what I think unless you have a vested interest in that area you it's not something that we learn in nursing or medical mm. school so if you don't have an interest in it, it's not really going to pique your interest and you want to learn a bit more. So, yeah, just the more – and then the more you learn, the more you deep dive and you go mm. deeper and deeper and deeper and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Also, hopefully on the flip side, the more you realise there is things you can do to help conditions and things women are going through or also just to generally help rebalance hormones or, like, help you get back on track or if you've been in a really fight-or-flight state for a very yeah. long period and you're struggling with – you know, boosted cortisol and yep. flatlining adrenals. Like so many women I know are mm. definitely experiencing that, myself included. I've yep. been through that a few mm. times. And it's very easy just to be like, oh, just keep going, keep going, keep going. But then you end up in complete burnout yep. and your health tanks and everything drops. Yep. So if we can encourage women earlier on to find ways to help themselves, like we always talk about exercise, nutrition, looking after yourself, sleep. But then also if you're wanting a little bit of a deeper level, finding an expert or someone who can help you get to the actual bottom of what might be going on, or at least giving you a story, then you've got something to go on and something to have compassion for yourself about. It just pains me. Like, And we coach women a lot. Yeah. Almost every single woman Mm -hmm. I coach has something going on 
you know, health-wise outside of just the trading and nutrition. It's either menstrual cycle related or adrenal related or thyroid or they've got a past or a history with their family that they're working on and they're like, oh, I don't want to get, you know, type 2 diabetes because my family is predisposed to this. And there's just so many stories there, but no one has any knowledge or awareness until it actually happens and then they go search... You know, yeah. start googling. Yeah, start googling. <laughs> I had I'm a dying yes. classic client, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I've got like really bad period pain today." And I'm like, "Oh, is that normal for you?" She's like, "Oh, I only get my period like every couple of months. Like I skip it usually." And I'm like, "Red flag, red flag." I'm yeah. like, I was, "I'm not qualified to tell you too much because that's outside of my scope." So I was like, "Oh, like have you always been on? Like are you taking any contraception?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm on the pill because if I don't take the pill, the period." pain is worse and I'm like ah here we go and I'm like I wish I could just be there and be like I think you should look into this and then I'm like well like I can only give you my opinion I can't direct you but maybe you should look at other options like explore different GPs maybe look at other things because I don't think this should be normal you shouldn't accept it and if your GP keeps telling you to go back on the pill maybe it's time to like look at someone else as well and I think this is a thing for me and my 23 years off nursing (laughs) is you know I think in GP land they do the best they can in that 15 minute consult Mm -hmm. and you will find some GPs who are more holistic integrative and 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 want to to do the best that they can but and but it's also I guess quote unquote legally what they Mm -hmm. can they Mm -hmm. can and can't do and under Medicare as well in Australia like what Mm -hmm. yeah so it's what we they're comfortable doing safely but I think it's also that taboo thing women that what they feel comfortable discussing with mm. their their primary healthcare physician they might not feel comfortable having a discussion about low libido low sexual arousal mm. vaginal pain with sex it's just this whole thing where we're not 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 allowed i don't know what the right word is i just we're not given yeah 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 that that yeah. taboo and so i guess i i just want to break that stigma and be like if you want to come and tell me whatever you want to tell me because I'm so used to like I don't know where I was the other day and someone was talking like oh yeah I'm sorry if you're offended by like bowels or something and I was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was like you don't know what my my sister and I talk about like you know sometimes well she's a nurse being a nurse as well like the things we talk about we forget and be like oh yeah we're out in public like this (laughs) down this year like this is a big conversation but I think I just want to yeah make it not taboo and and to educate women as well because I think there's this whole generation that I don't know what's the right word generation where we were just not there was just no education mm-hmm. like I think I got we got like a very brief sex ed in mm-hmm. one like half hour session in mm-hmm. high school and then there was nothing mm-hmm. like even at uni for us there was like not a lot as nurses like there was very basic stuff and I think if we're like that what is what chance yeah, yeah. and even when I you know I assess women now and I'm using term I, I try not to make too much medical terminology make it very easy but you know not not knowing if they've ovulated because they can't mm-hmm. tell about cervical mucus or not knowing whether they that's even normal know that's a thing yeah yeah, yeah. and they're mm-hmm. like oh they think I'm, I'm, that there's something wrong with me I'm like no that's normal that's a good sign yeah. so I just kind of go it's this whole like take the stigma away let's have a chat about it I'm like Let, that's great if you've got cervical mucus like great you're healthy this is a good sign yeah or yeah so Actually, it's fascinating you've no. heard it from that perspective because I was going to mention like mm-hmm. so many things that are very you know, painful and they become normal, like, yeah. like hectic period pain or yeah. big PMS symptoms or big depressive episodes every cycle or irregular cycles, you know, it all becomes kind of normalised when it couldn't, doesn't need to be. And then also mm-hmm. the normal things that are part of a healthy female, being a healthy yeah. female, are just not even acknowledged, mm-hmm. like cervical mucus or like yeah. being aware that your cycle does have ups and downs, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be this humongous crash and, and everything. Yeah. But yeah. people don't know. We what don't know what we, we don't, don't want know. to discuss yeah. it. And also, you yeah. know, you're always like, oh, is it weird if I do still, this? Because yeah. you only know about yourself unless you are extremely open with your family, friends yeah. or practitioners. Yeah. It's the whole of relation process that blows my mind how little people know about it. Whenever I talk with clients and they're like, oh, yeah, like I'm on the pill. Like I can only get pregnant. And I'm like, you're not even ovulating when you're on the pill. Like that. let's start there. Like yeah. Yeah. all those things you just assume. And then the amount of people I have that skip their periods, and I'm like, what are yeah, you for doing? Convenience. For yeah, convenience. And I'm like, but ovulation and your cycle and progesterone and bone health. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Help. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing I think people as for women and men, and I wrote my little list because I was like, it's not just 
hormones mm. in regards to follicle stimulating, luteinizing hormone, estrogen, progesterone. Hormones include like your melatonin, your cortisol, vitamin D, your, your thyroid, like your T3, yeah. T4. They are all hormones and hormone mm. function. So it's this knock-on effect of, yep, you're on the pill for that you know, for like period pain, but then all these other hormone mm-hmm. factors as well, like we talked about with the adrenal issues as well. It just, hormones are not just your women's hormone and men's hormone. It's multiple, multiple mm-hmm. other peptides yeah. and pr- all this other stuff in your body. It's just like, oh, no. It's yeah. been so interesting. Even when I went to a GP and I had a health practitioner that was guiding me through some of my hormone issues and I went to the GP and I'm like, I'm always tired. I have this. I wanted to get my iron checked and I looked up all the symptoms. My dad has low thyroid yeah. or like that. And then blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, do you get heavy periods? I'm like, they're heavier than they used to be. He's like, oh yeah, cool. Heavy periods. And I'm like, you need to listen to nothing. Yeah. 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 And then the other time I went, they're like, oh, I was like, oh, I have like a really bad stomach cramps. He's like, oh, it's part of your migraines. And I'm like, what, no. And it took me, normal. yeah. And I'm like, it took me forever to find a practitioner that actually asked me if I had migraines while I was on the pill yeah. to then realize that I shouldn't be on the pill because I shouldn't be taking progesterone and estrogen yeah. with the migraines. And I'm like, in 10 years old that I was on the pill and was getting prescription after prescription no one had ever asked this This is so crazy yeah yeah and yeah it's back to that as health practitioners we don't know what we don't know until we start doing more research and And I would have never made the link that the migraines are related to the pill like because I was just oh yeah it's just one of those things yeah and like I learned you know when I was doing my nurse practitioner's degree I had this amazing mentor who she was she was our course coordinator who was from America and just nurse practitioners in America have been around for a lot longer than they have Mm. been in Australia so she was just amazing and she was like get your client to keep a headache diary not necessarily on the pill but just in normal because sometimes when I'm seeing clients I'm like going is it a is it a hormone thing is it around your period they're like I've never actually put two and two together I'm like all right keep me a diary just tell me. And then usually you'll find yeah. it is, it might be, you know, after your period when your estrogen is low or it might be in the lead up and it's just like, right, well, we've got a bit of a pattern yeah. here and we can kind of just yeah, tweak a few things. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it, like a migraine once a month and it didn't click that it was around the period yeah. every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah crazy. Yeah, the amount of things that can be related back to the body's one system. So, you yeah. know, we all still think... I still sometimes have to remind myself it's all interlinked. Like, you know, what you do with your training Mm -hmm. and your exercise 100% has a lot to do with your wellness. But also what you're putting into your body and what you're doing, it's all related. Mm -hmm. But we're just like, oh, that'll fix my, you know, hormonal, uh, sorry, menstrual problems. It's like that is all related back to your brain. It's Mm -hmm. related to your adrenals, related to your thyroid. It all ties. So the more we can... Well, either simply educate, like give women education and information that helps them aware, bring awareness to it yeah. or encourage more practitioners to start looking at the double-sided approach. Of, yeah. You know, sometimes medication is necessary for certain conditions. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's needed. You can't always treat everything with a fully natural approach. Yeah. But how much depth can you get into with a beautiful natural approach with a good lifestyle, lifestyle changes and supplementation yeah. and just analysis of your body yeah. that can give you so much more of a story of who you are as a person and what you need to feel vibrant, amazing and healthy. God, how many more amazing women would there be <laughs> pain every month wondering what the hell's going exactly, on? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, my, my ultimate goal is hopefully I will have a lovely women's health clinic where I can train up other <clears throat> health practitioners and then be able to have more women kind of mm. coming through and, fe- yeah, feeling, just feeling better is really what I want. This yeah. is probably like a pretty broad question, maybe not so easy to generalise, but if there's something that you have learned in all your over 20 years of experience, what are some of the like healthy options or medicine, not necessarily medicine options, but things that people can do to improve overall health, oh. well-being, skin? Yep. So I I always think it's good to try and get some testing done first so we're not doing guesswork because the amount of women and men that I see who are like, I've gone on this because someone <laughs> told me that oh, I saw this influencer. So I think if we can sometimes do basic blood work and if we're going into the more holistic side of things, maybe doing some saliva testing to a test, okay. test adrenal function and a bit more in-depth hormones and gut microbiome, those are probably... The three main things. So I think if we can optimise certain factors in the body, so via bloods, looking at the gut, healing the gut and adrenal, those are my three top things to look at. And then I think that really can affect 
or influence your health mm-hmm. overall. But then also those will tie into lifestyle factors as mm-hmm. well because adrenal function. So I always, when I educate my clients, it's very basic because I'm a basic person. And I'm like, going, <laughs> it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Yeah, don't oh, overwhelm yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be very, yeah, Stress, easy to sleep, understand. Exercise, yeah, eating. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like adrenal function. You're either in fight or flight mode or rest and digest. If your body is always in this fight or flight mode, then of course that's going to affect other things in your body. So that can in women we can that can tank our hormones, tank our mm-hmm. progesterone, tank our te- uh, testosterone as well. So you can't out supplement or out medicate a mm-hmm. poor, not poor lifestyle. Just a stressful, stressful lifestyle, life. yeah, 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 and poor nutrition, poor sleep, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, you can pay supplement, you know, pay for supplements. So, at six to twelve months, will get you better to a degree, but not not all the way. Fix your lifestyle, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I think the gut health, which then also comes into what you eat, mm-hmm. and then yeah, like exercise as well. And I think we've had chats about, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got adrenal fatigue, you can't necessarily go and smash out a massive gym session. Mm-hmm. So, really, if it's just going out going for a nice walk, walk, breathe, yep, all that type of stuff. And if you know, if I do have someone who comes back with, you know, elevated cortisol levels, I will be like, okay, we need to just slowly get your energy up and just get you moving because that's, yeah, that's, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's like yoga, Pilates, just walking the dogs, just going for a gentle walk, just get the body moving. Mm. I find often with people who have definitely tanked their adrenals, they have been go, 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 Mm -hmm. go people. And so they really struggle to back it off and and go a little bit calmer and smoother. But it can be good to help them say like, we're just building back up your tolerance again, like while you're healing and looking after yourself, you can take it more gentle, but then just start toning it right back down. So you could still train, just go really Mm -hmm. slow, just do maybe four exercises, long rests in between and resting a lot in between your days. And they can be like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) And slowly start feeling better to build up the tolerance again for the body to handle a little bit of stress, but then also making all the lifestyle factors to make it actually change. Because you can handle a lot more than you think, but once you've flatlined, Mm -hmm. your body and brain have nothing to give anymore. And I find so many people are just stuck there. They can't get off the floor anymore because they just think, oh, I'm just going to keep doing my lifestyle with whatever I can do, which usually is Switch. caffeine or, yeah, yeah. or any, the any way to up. get any adrenal you know, release at all. Mm. And then you end up just keeping back on the floor again. It's, it's not fun to see. And I think it's us as professionals giving them permission to mm-hmm. back off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you just get told to push, push through and like be like mm-hmm. a boss babe and do this <laughs> and do, you know, and say that thing and be like, actually, uh, like on, on the weekend, I've been on the go, I'm, I'm training up to nurses for my cosmetic clinic. And so the last three weeks I've like worked every day and then we've done Sunday training sessions. And this was my, like my first week, weekend off in a while. And I think, yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, and Saturday I said, I'm happy. Oh, I'm going to go out and we're going to, I'm going to like do some gardening. And actually I laid in bed reading a book until one o'clock in the nice. afternoon. Me too on Sunday. It was so nice because yeah. it's something that I've worked on from being like, go, 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 go all the time. Finding evidence in my life that when I rest, I actually do better at the other things. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I had to almost retrain my brain that being busy or like doing something all the time isn't as beneficial as taking the rest and like slowing down. And then like some of my best ideas came when I was reading a book and laying in bed yeah. or laying yeah. at the beach. I'm like, see, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good for you to do it. And I think it's the reward process. Yeah. We get told, oh, my God, you're doing amazing because you're doing so yeah. much and that reward. You're, yeah. you're doing so many things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And yeah. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> But then you start ending up with yeah. like almost closeted crashes because you're like, I yeah. have to perceive myself as someone who's yeah. just handling it all. And then you literally just don't talk to anyone because you've gone home and nap for 10 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I used to do is yeah. like, yeah. Cause, you know, being personal trainer you're so bubbly and yeah. friendly yeah. and talking to everyone about their life and they're like wow you're doing so much stuff you're so strong and you're like, yeah. yeah I am and then I and go then, home <laughs> yeah 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 Let me just tuck myself that was my wake-up call I had a big adrenal burnout years ago where I actually went and saw a functional doctor and they yeah. helped me so much because I'd never heard of it before mm. at all I had no awareness I thought it was my um, menstrual cycle that was the problem mm. but it was the secondary effect from the adrenals. Mm. They helped me see that. So that was my initial thing. That was actually ages ago. But once I'd gotten really good again, <laughs> got into a false sense of security, guess who went straight back out that there? <laughs> guess who didn't learn their lesson? Yeah. And it came back down again. And that's when my wake-up call was like, oh, my gosh, you're now putting on this mask and this pretend face yeah. that you're okay when you're actually crashing and burning all that's the time. where I it's, find it's almost like, okay, you need, like, the, the lifestyle, then you need your therapist, mm-hmm. and then you need your GP. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's all intertwined because if you're 
have this mindset switch of where you're like, I need to go, 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 go all the time. Your GP can tell you to rest and you're like, well, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah. 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 So it's like everything holistically all together. Got to work on all the things. Yeah. And that I think it's that integrative approach mm, because yeah. I... I'm jack of all trades, master of none. I know my limits, but then I might need to be like, you need to go and see yeah. someone else because mm-hmm. like nutrition to a degree, but I'm not a nutritionist. You need to go and see someone else. You need to go and see a PT because it's mm-hmm. just that, yeah, that collaborative approach. But then it also is the person taking responsibility mm-hmm. for taking those steps as well. Yeah, because that's what I find with some of my clients, for example, they come to me and they want to lose weight and I'm like, yeah, cool. Then we get there and then we get to a certain point. I'm like, think you might be better off actually seeing like maybe a therapist looking at binging patterns or stress management and all those things that are above my qualifications yeah. and then you can come back to me and we can work on other stuff but yeah there's everything's so intertwined yeah like I have an amazing there's a diabetes nurse practitioner I know here in Perth and I, so I can manage people up to a degree that I'm comfortable with with insulin resistance mm-hmm. which is not necessarily diabetes you know PCOS mm-hmm. or or just insulin resistance and up to a point and then if I'm not really making progress and I think okay this needs to then go to an mm-hmm. expert so I'm more than happy to be like yeah. I've done as much as I can I'm not just going to keep going with you we need to like yeah branch out and go to mm-hmm. someone else I've got another colleague who is a mental health nurse practitioner so to a degree like I can look at potential issues of mm-hmm. anxiety whether it is hormone related and then to a degree be like okay no you need more than what I I can mm-hmm. give you. So I think it's, yeah, definitely having that collaborative approach outside of what my specialty is. I think so, that's yeah. my favourite when it comes to PTs and practitioners everywhere. When I'm like, you know where your limits are and then you can refer out and you're building your network with like mm-hmm. people around you that are super qualified and you're like, yep, you should be seeing this like person. Connection yeah. and community and collaboration are all <clears throat> so powerful yeah. and important yeah. and especially building networks with other women so they know about them yeah. is because you have delved so deep into your industry and your world yeah. so you know so much and the human body has so many aspects. We've mm-hmm. delved so much into fitness, mm-hmm. wellness and there's other people who've delved into psychology. Mm-hmm. It's like getting connections and talking to those different people can build such a massive picture for both our clients and ourselves if you keep reaching out. So it's so great to be able mm-hmm. to do that be like, I know a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, your um, girl. <laughs> I also think that it would be my message to a lot of women, if you're listening to this, is to not stop searching yeah. for yourself. Like, yeah. you know, most women do that. They go to their GP. That's their only step. They've been handed a bit of an average response back or whatever the GP's yeah. best response was. You know, they have their own world. And they stop. They're just like, oh, well, I'm broken. I've got no mm. fix. Yeah. So like there's always more answers if you keep searching and try to keep finding the answers, mm-hmm. even if they sound a little bit far-fetched. Mm. I think you're just going to be so much better off than just completely giving up. Yep. And you never know what you'll learn about yourself. That could eventually help other people, other people too. As well. yeah. Yeah. Like or you become super passionate and then oh, maybe yeah, you might love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I can't help others. I kind of feel this world is like so a lot of my cosmetics is all word of mouth. I'm yeah. very lucky in that I've grown because yeah, it's it's all word of mouth referrals and I feel like the women's health as well. It's that little mm. I call it I guess I call it the girlfriend effect. Mm-hmm. Like someone will chat to someone and they just kind of refer because it's in women's health, the way that we, the, la- the lack of. For yeah. healthy women, they need connect- connection and community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You'll chat amongst each other yeah. about all these helpful things. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it also depends on like your age range as well. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm in my mid 40s now, so I'm getting towards that perimenopausal, menopausal yeah. <laughs> stage. And like these women. The upskilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the women that I speak to who are my cosmetic clients, because we're chatting and then we're talking mm. about vaginas, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they feel more comfortable talking to me about that versus going to other practitioners but then Mm. they kind of say oh yeah as I'm talking with my friends about what they're going through and what some of them aren't going through or some of them have gone through early perimenopause menopause and sex drive and this and that Mm. it's like the discussion begins to happen so then you go to this next Mm -hmm. phase in like Mm. women's health and hormones and it becomes very interesting and and then what I think yeah taking that taboo subjects out Mm. like just being like you can you can talk talk about this I think it's really powerful you should be so proud of yourself that they come and open up about all of this because it is still such a taboo topic and you're like Huh, everyone talks to me about it. I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. 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 Actually, mainly you don't realise you have an effect on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel so safe. I can tell you everything. Yeah. Now. And, I, and, I, and I'm more than happy because, you know, like I've been in these yeah. depths as a young as a younger nurse, like not really knowing what I was talking about, but creating self-safe mm-hmm. space. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I can actually mm-hmm. hold Work this person this. in that in that safe space. And even if I don't know, I will say I don't know, but I will find out and let me yeah. get back to you. So, 
Yeah, that's really Half cool. The time we just need someone to listen so that mm-hmm. you realise that this is something mm-hmm. that you can talk about and you can open up to and learn more about it from either you or somebody else. We keep doing that search journey because yeah. yeah. you know there is ways to feel vital and happy no matter what age or stage yeah. you're at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly right. It's yeah. so so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Good name, oh. good name. Well, I think we've talked about lots. There is so much more, obviously. You have such a broad field yeah. of experience yeah. and expertise. Also, you've got a great memory. You're like, I know exactly what I've done. I'm just like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, how long have I lived in Australia? I know lots of stuff, but where did I learn it? You don't ask me what I did last week, though. <laughs> what do you have for lunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if our listeners want to go and search more about you, where can they come and find you? So for my cosmetics, my website and my Instagram is Glow Aesthetics Perth and then the women's health that I will be launching is called the Yoni Health Clinic so that's on Instagram and the website finally registered is yonihealth.com.au the booking links should be up soon but they can always message me via the Instagram to kind of be like what's happening Sheree? (laughs) (laughs) an early access yeah exactly but yeah more than happy to yeah if clients want to message me or just yeah they can kind of keep tabs on it's coming it's been it's always at one step forward two steps back there's always yeah, something there's to, always something websites and technology yeah, yeah, oh kind oh of <laughs> so but the mission is bigger than all it all so yeah. it keeps going forward it's so exciting exactly and, you know I've always talked to you about this sort of stuff and yeah. seen that potential coming of what you're building and it's really really cool because of that reason just having somewhere some someone mm-hmm. somewhere who cares yeah to be able to talk to and send people so they can explore more about their health and mm-hmm. well-being. And the more we talk about it, the more we can connect with other experts who are out there who are really excited about women's health in different fields yeah. and what they want to yes. talk about too. Like, I'd love to connect with lots of different people in different fields. Just help all the women. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Women supporting women, hey? Yeah. If yeah. there was one final piece of advice, anything that you've learned would like to share with the audience that you think is really good, one of your life lessons, anything, what would that be? I, maybe two things. <laughs> yeah, a lot too. <laughs> I think in regards to anti-aging or aging, don't let anyone else tell you what to do. I think mm-hmm. you can age as gracefully or disgracefully <laughs> as you like. That's, that's my that. one thing. I like that. Um, so basically you're telling me I should start. <laughs> words did not leave my mouth. <laughs> Go books in. Yeah. And I think so that, yeah. And then I think the other thing is with your, if with your health, if there's an issue, leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with the answer you've gotten, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, research. Take that research to your primary healthcare provider and be like, I, you know, this is what I've done. Sometimes we need educating ourselves because, mm-hmm. you know, I would be doing consults and someone will be like, have you heard of such and such? And I'm like, no, but let me go and look at them, hmm. learn, some, learn some new stuff. So I think we have to be our own advocate as well mm-hmm. in regards to our own health too. We know our bodies better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So... That's the best way to try and get the best answer. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. What an amazing chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That'll do. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to hear more to stay updated when we release a new episode, but we would also love you to write a review if this episode has resonated with you. Until next time, keep showing up for yourself, take action for your health, and remember that you are powerful.